Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson! You say you want some revelation, well here you go. Greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Mormon News Roundup, where D-Base and his crew is going to ruminate on the great and spacious beehive. This is August 20th, 2023. This is episode 73. We're going to give you an update on the Cody Wyoming LDS Temple Saga. Also, James Huntsman breaks his silence on the Mormon fraud lawsuit. Must read material. A man is facing a felony charge in Utah for eating LDS chicken nuggets. Uh, you're not going to want to miss this one. And also, Elder Bednar is giving us a sneak peek into his life. It's very, very interesting. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm at www.mormonnewsroundup.org, or you can send me an email to kolob at mormonnewsroundup.org. I'd like to invite my co-host onto the onto the program, Maven. How's it going, Maven? It's going great. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's uh, great to have you on here. What? Who? Who are you, Maven, and what are you all about? That's a great question. So who am I? I'm a, a D-list, uh, I guess, a lister in this uh, niche of uh, post-Mormonism on the Internet. So I uh, I got my start and I guess my, my name, my moniker, working with Bill Real and RFM on Mormonism Live. And uh, I also work for Donda Lynn uh, behind the scenes, usually with Mormon Stories. And I have a lot of friends in the podcast realm, and I pop in uh, on other people's podcasts here and there as well. So, so I, I think that covers it. I understand that you just recorded an episode with the Brit Bengers. What was that all about? Yeah, so they have a pageant here. So we know in the U.S. a lot of the pageants have been taken down, but there is one in Britain about the British saints, which, of course, we know the church got them all going over to the U.S. So while there were a lot of early uh, British and, uh, well, I mean, from the whole U.K., there were a lot of early converts and the church just kind of siphoned them off. And so then the church was a little bit dead here. and It's been steadily growing since, but there's a lot of early Mormonism here. Anyway, that's what the pageant is about. And it, it's a lot of, I guess, supposedly inspiring stories of those who ended up crossing over the ocean. I guess they just kind of missed a few parts about, um, you know, a baby that uh, I think it was Spencer Kimball blessed, you know, that ended up becoming his wife several years later in Utah, you know, a polygamous wife uh, and those that, you know, died on the journey. It's just, there's just a lot or just the whole trafficking kind of angle where a lot of single young women were, uh, I guess, uh, proselytized to and brought over. That got a little bit left out and so yeah it was a great commentary kind of going through that and i was the uh the lone uh, american there to kind of um i don't know <laughs> hopefully i didn't ruin things too much now you call yourself a d-list podcaster i call myself a c-list <laughs> podcaster so we're in very very good company i'm moving here. up <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're not d-list anymore now you're c-list so okay uh, okay I, I heard you were gonna start your own podcast with uh gene judson is that true what was that going to be all about Yes, that's something that we're working on. And really, we both realized that there's this, uh, there's a lot of podcasts out there. And of course, uh, Bill Real and John Delin, there's, there's a lot of the big names out there that kind of everybody finds. Uh, but there's a lot of us, there's a lot of people with much smaller audiences, but also with very good messages. And people leaving and deconstructing have a lot of different paths to go and different things to figure out. And there's a lot of life situations that really can make a difference if, you know, if you're married, if you're working with interfaith marriage uh or or not there's just we just think there's probably there's a lot of good content out there but 
because there's so much, maybe there's a perfect podcast for somebody out there that just doesn't have the attention that it needs. So we want to explore that. We want to go across the whole spectrum, you know, from from faithful to not and and kind of do just little quick overviews of what these podcasters have to offer, who their best audience is. And we're hoping to really kind of, I guess, maybe be the in-between of connecting the right audience to the right podcast and, and help both ends of the spectrum there. So that's the idea behind it. So I've I've been busy with travel, and so it's it hasn't been able to get quite up off the ground yet. But hopefully, when I'm, I'm back to the states, which will be just you know a couple more days, we can really nail that down. So yeah, Gene is great. Gene is really good. He he's really good at kind of uh, gathering people and catching things and um, and making connections. So I think he's going to be really great for this. Yeah, we're gonna have him on the Mormon News Roundup here uh, in uh, short order. So good. Look forward to having okay. Him yeah, on. you should. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I, you're probably most well-known here for uh, your Mormon Stories episodes uh, 1596 <laughs> through 1597. What mm-hmm. has been the reaction to those uh, episodes? I guess that's how where a lot of people know you, right? Yeah, I because well, a lot of people started knowing really from the Mormonism Live, um, and then and then I got connected to Mormon Stories from there. The reaction's been good. I haven't had anybody because you are it, it's always a little bit scary to go on Mormon Stories because it's a bigger platform and you don't know who is going to see. So I had a, a bit of fear of uh, I don't know who's going to be disappointed in me, who's going to be reaching out and being like, I can't believe this happened to you. And at least for me, that hasn't happened. I've had a few people reach out to me from you know, from my past, from, you know, that were happy to see me out and, and others who have been going through this own, you know, their own journeys as well. And so it's been kind of fun to connect with some some random people that I haven't talked to in a while that they were happy to see me there. So, yeah, and I, I have a lot of people, uh, women especially, that feel like I was able to voice some feelings that they had felt also um, as, as far as women go in the, in the Mormon sphere. So, yeah, listening to your two-part uh, Mormon Stories uh, episodes, uh, I really was struck by your food insecurity, and especially with regards to the Bishop's Storehouse. And quite frankly, those episodes really made me um, think about whether I wanted to continue to volunteer at the Bishop's Storehouse. It's very, very moving. And it's interesting also because we're going to be getting into food insecurity in the news this week as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, is there any other is, is there anything else about your personal life, religious beliefs that you want to share before we uh, kick off uh, the uh, news today? I just want to talk about the food insecurity a bit a little bit. That part almost didn't make it into the story because it was still something I felt a lot of shame over. And so I realized when I was trying to come up with my outline, you know, for John Delin about about where we're going through, I was really a avoiding I didn't want to talk about living in a van or you know just it still it was a bit embarrassing to me but it was still it was a part of my story a part of when things were really starting to fall apart and so I just kind of had a um, a moment where I realized I need to uh, I guess recognize why why am I resisting telling this part so much and I realized that I still had to maybe deal with some of the shame of it and then I also realized I you know I don't think there have been very many stories on Mormon stories that have talked about this issue and that it it probably was something that would be helpful that other people would relate to that hasn't really been shown. And it it is part of my story. And so, yeah, that was actually the scariest part to bring up, which initially I thought it was other parts just coming out um, and also the asexuality part of it. That's I thought that those were bigger parts of my story, but that, yeah, the food insecurity part, my experience with the Bishop's storehouse that has, that has 
really landed with a lot of people and I get a lot of comments about that. And I just want to say, I see, so I did get help from the Bishop storehouse. So if you haven't seen that episode and I had a great Bishop going through who didn't shame me, but that's not the experience that a lot of members have. And even though my Bishop wasn't shaming me, I still felt a lot of shame about the process. And that's just, just because of the way that I was raised and brought up. It's you just, you're made to feel like a taker when you're there, that you're just kind of this low life and you, and you're doing, you got to get up, got to get on your feet again. This is only temporary until you could, you know, start taking. There's just, there's just a lot of shame built into how we talk about it, and um, yeah, just, just the whole thing. So it didn't, it didn't matter to me. All of the, everything that I've given the church and my church community, my whole entire life, including serving a full-time mission, um, didn't really make up for the shame I felt in asking for food at that time. And I ended up going to a different um, a different food bank, and it was a much more positive experience. That's that experience in a nutshell. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. It, was, it was very, very powerful. I, you know, brought me to tears. It was one of the most powerful mm. Women's Stories episodes. It was really, really something, and everybody should watch that. We'll link to it in the show notes. And that just brings us to uh, our Mormon joke of the week here, uh, uh, Maven. And this is uh, this just hit uh, app, the uh, Mac App Store preview. Now, there's an AI-powered uh, chat, uh, you know, like ChatGPT, except for instead of chat, uh, chatting with, you know, just a, a random AI, instead here, maybe you're chatting with Jesus, AI-powered divine chats here. And you, you, as seen in the Washington Post, the Business Insider, CBN News, and more, uh, your AI-powered divine connection in your pocket. Discover a new interactive way to engage with your faith through text with Jesus, a revolutionary AI chatbot. You can not only um, chat with uh, Jesus, you can chat with the entire holy family, uh, and you know you can also chat with Satan if you pay extra. And so I, Nathan, I went ahead here. I went ahead and um, I asked, uh, I asked the AI chatbot here. I said, I, I asked a couple of questions. And we're going to have you ask it a question too here. I got two questions that I asked it. The big question on my mind, and I think on a lot of people's mind, is did you send an angel? with a flaming sword to tell Joseph Smith to marry young girls. That, was that would have been my question as well. That that would have been my first one, yeah. Good. Hey, we're, we're in great mind because seedless podcasters yep. think alike. That's great. Now, um, he said, his response back was, I understand that there may be differing beliefs and interpretations regarding religious figures and events. However, it is important to note that the teachings of Jesus Christ, as recorded in the Bible, emphasize love, respect, and the sanctity of marriage. When it comes to the specific question about Joseph Smith marrying young girls, it is not in alignment with biblical teachings or history. So that's, um, I would say that that's a strike, right? Right. I, I do like how that, see, when I heard about this, and I couldn't check it out because I'm not one of those people that has any uh, Apple devices, so I wasn't able to really play around with it. And so I was kind of wondering, what angle is this coming from? Is it is it going to be a satire? You know, is it going to be satirical Jesus? Um, or is it going to be like a really fundamentalist right-wing Jesus? And it, it seems kind of a, a pretty moderate, pretty center of the line, and pretty fair, I think. So I think that was a good answer. Yeah, it was. I think that was a pretty good answer. I've got one other one here, and then I'm going to have you ask okay. a question, too. Here's the second question that I have. This is a toughie here. I said, what is the first token of the Aaronic Priesthood? Because if anyone should know, it should. I would expect Jesus to know the first token of the Aaronic Priesthood. So it's, he said, he answered back, in the context of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the first token of the Aaronic Priesthood is known as the Aaronic Priesthood token or sign. It is accompanied by a specific hand gesture and is given during temple ordinances. However, I must clarify that as Jesus Christ, 
I did not establish or endorse specific tokens or signs associated with any particular religious organization or priesthood. Uh, what do you think about that response? I don't know. It sounds a little suspicious. This does make me wonder if we've got the real Jesus uh, on text here. That's a good question. Now, I've got, uh, I've, I've got it pulled up here for the texting of the Jesus here. I don't know if you can see that here, but there's a different options here. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's ask it your most deepest, darkest secret. This is or a most important question. What do you got here? For oh. Jesus? Well, I didn't have deepest, darkest secret, but I, I wanted to know uh, if he's when he's coming back again, if he's oh. thought about that, if he's got something uh, in mind. Oh, that's a good one. When are you coming back? OK, let's see what he has to say. Uh, and uh, the uh, it's it's uh, texting it here, and we've got the response here. And he says, as a okay. language model AI, I don't have personal beliefs or the ability to predict the future. The concept of my mm. return is based on religious beliefs and interpretations. Different religions and individuals have different beliefs about when or how I will return. It is important to consult religious texts or spiritual leaders for guidance on this matter according to your faith tradition. So it seems like Jesus is playing it pretty safe. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That does take a story. That Which does is take not a... the Jesus that I know. <laughs> yeah. Now, our, our getting into the news here, Cody Mayer here, you know, we've been looking at this Cody Wyoming Temple has been in the news now for quite some time, all the way back since May. And, uh, you know, what, what happened is, you know, we had the church wanting to build the temple. There was a lot of pushback from the community. The zoning board voted it down twice. Then the church said, okay, well, if you vote it down, we're going to sue you. Then it got preliminary approval. And now the Cody mayor, he's halting the, uh, he's halting the building permit here. He's giving it the no-go here. Now, Maven, we, we have our reporters here on the ground here who are going to give us the inside scoop here. This is, this is advanced journalism okay. here. Okay, so let's, uh, let's see what our uh, reporters on the ground are going to bring to us about the Cody Wyoming update. Brought to us by the Mormonish podcast, Rebecca Biblioteca and Landon Brophy. Hi, everybody. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Landon. And we are Mormonish. And this is a very special update that we are doing for the Mormon News Roundup, isn't it? Yep, yep. It is. And the topic is the Cody Temple. We just recently did an episode on the Cody Temple, which was, I would say, well-received, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. We had a way more people than we thought would uh, would be watching that. So it's definitely a, a, a timely topic. It's a timely topic. Yep, about. this is happening right now in Cody, Wyoming, um, with the LDS Church building a temple and the residents, a citizens group called Preserve Our Cody's Neighborhood. Our Cody neighborhood um, is trying to have the temple relocated to a place that's more suitable and within their zoning um, plan. So there's been a lot going on. So we suggest you watch this episode of Mormonish if you're not familiar. This, however, is an update because a few things have come up since we aired the episode on Friday. Isn't that right? Yeah, they basically happened right after we So yeah, the uh, mayor has actually come out and has put a halt to the uh, issuing of any building permits. If you remember, the city council took a vote and they uh, went ahead and authorized the uh, permit. However, it seems that some of the people on the uh, planning commission didn't think that they were actually uh, voting for the spire to be a part of the plan mm -hmm. and uh, so the church is arguing that the that that was part of the plan and some of the people on the board are saying no it's not as well as the preserving our cody neighborhood is also right. saying that that wasn't included in there so uh, with that they're going to there's a couple things they're going to do the mayor has basically said we're putting a halt on issuing anything while we work it out last tuesday they had a meeting uh 
at a city council meeting. Regular city council meeting. And uh, they were hoping it would be brought up and discussed, uh, but they tabled it and yeah. didn't bring it up at all for there. So uh, at this point, what has happened is the Preserving Our Cody neighborhood has written a letter, their attorney's written a letter to the city asking them not to issue any permits uh, at this time, and they're taking it to the court. They're saying the church filed two lawsuits. Two lawsuits. Against them, and therefore they're saying at that point it was taken out of the hands of the city council, and it's now in the hands of the district judge uh, because there's lawsuits filed against it. So they're asking that nothing be done until the lawsuits are finalized. Uh, they have a scheduling appointment with the district judge after Labor Day, and that's when they'll schedule uh, to have the hearings. However, that's a request from the Preserving Our Cody neighborhood. The city council does not have to take that advice. Mm -hmm. They could issue the permit and that's what the church wants because it's very difficult once you've been issued a permit and start work uh, for a judge or any other entity to come and now say you have to stop work after they've allowed them to start work. So. Correct. And as we know, the pieces of the Tip Up Temple, and we talk about this in our episode, are already there on some land adjacent to the site where they're going to build the temple, just waiting to be tipped up. So if that permit is granted, if the, if the mayor takes back the halt, uh, they could start very quickly to get the infrastructure in place and it can happen like that. So, yeah, yeah but uh, we spoke to the preserve, um, Preserving Our Coding Neighborhood people today and they feel they have a really good case. They feel they have a strong attorney. They were optimistic. And what they really wanted is just the word to get out, even nationally. You know, this is a David and Goliath kind of a situation. And again, to be so clear, um, they would love to have a temple in their town. They just don't want it where it isn't zoned for, on a hill, in a neighborhood, lit brightly, with a two-lane road, no access. All of the people on the committee are of their own religious denominations, and they have all said, if our own religion <laughs> was trying to build some kind of a structure, we would say, no, not here. So it is in no way tied to any kind of, you know, anti-religion, anti-LDS uh, point of view at all. They would be more than happy, but they have been very disheartened by some of the things that they perceive as being, I don't know, underhanded? A yeah, little well, for instance, they can't, they can't even get how many lumens, uh, the, no. how many lumens the uh, uh, temple's going to be lit to, right. uh, which is kind of an important thing yeah. when it's your neighborhood the and it's going to be uh, is they are just, they're trying to get information about, you know, just the basic structure and the basic hours of operation and the lighting and nobody is forthcoming. So it's a very interesting situation. It seems like there's an article out almost every other day about what's happening. Yeah, Salt Lake Tribune just mm -hmm. put another one out. Um, so uh, the one thing they can use is your donation. Mm -hmm. um, there is, a, and we'll add it to the end of this, mm -hmm. uh, there is a place you can go to donate. Uh, you can go to their website. Mm -hmm. uh, they, you can mail Facebook. a check. You mail a check. Yep. You can go to Facebook, Preserving Our Coding Neighborhoods, and all these things are listed there. Um, they're just fighting a fight. They would just like the church to obey, can I call it the laws of the land yeah. in that situation and build the temple somewhere more suited in Cody. They're more than happy to have a temple there, but just not where it is slated to go right now. That's right. So, so that's it. We wish them luck. We wish them luck. And uh, anyone who wants to donate, look that up and that would really help out because they're paying for their own uh, defense yeah. to try to stop this from coming into their neighborhood. That's right. And what is the phrase that you kind of coined earlier today, which I think described it, because also they told us about, you know, the town has become divided now. And so I think you said you build a temple, but 
you're dividing a town. I think yeah. you said it better than that, but there's a lot of fallout from this that may continue long after it's decided, no matter where the temple is built. And that's really unfortunate. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, for both sides. For both sides. We said the same thing. <laughs> anyway, thanks everybody for listening. We'll send out from Mormonish on Mormon News Roundup. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks so much for that. Uh, from the reporters in the field, Maven, what's your response to all of this uh, saga? So to me, the issue, it, I think it really goes to show how big the church can be as a bully. When you've got just so many lawyers and so much money backing you, there's really not a lot that people can do, even when you have a righteous cause. And I I watched the episode from Mormonish, which I highly recommend. And when you get the details on it, I think there are a lot of ways that the church, it appears to be acting in a very slimy, sneaky way with the city um, in from the get-go, I, I think they anticipated there would be a problem, and I think because they knew they were going against codes, and so, um, but it seems like they've really structured things to give things to give the city like the least amount of time to even know what was happening. The fact that they said they've already got the tip-up stuff ready, so that if they do get that permit, they can immediately start building things up, I think, really quickly, so that it'll be too late to do anything about it. Th that's really telling, and it's really sad. It just goes to show how much uh, how much power the church has and then even when they're in the wrong how willing they are to play the persecution piece and um uh, yeah i think uh i think it i think they're going to win in the end i think it's going to go i think it's going to be a blight on the town and i think it's going to cause hard feelings for years if not decades to come so i guess this is a and maybe this is a, a, an ongoing thing but it seems that rather than people the church cares very much about its buildings yeah, and we're, in fact, we're going to find that out in a couple of the other news articles here mm -hmm. from this week that the church really values its real estate. You know, the church is the number one holder of private real estate in the United States by uh, valuation, and it's probably second in terms of acreage total owned as well. The church is extremely interested in its real estate portfolio. And I saw this as well. Uh, you know, I made a meme for this. You know, it's Captain Picard here. When you sue a tiny Western town and they fold like a cheap suit. You know, um, this just reminds me here of the amount of temples that uh, President Nelson, speaking of the Cody, Wyoming temples, if you look at the total, uh, okay, I'm going to give you some trivia here, Maven. How long has President Nelson been at the helm? I believe it's it's been five or six years. Very It's not good. long. Okay. You're not, you're not a D-list podcaster. You're, you're A-list. <laughs> okay, that's right. Five and a half years. And he's announced about, how many temples do you think he's announced? Oh, I don't even know. I was a hundred. <laughs> Very 133, 133. Oh, okay. Now, this is the biggest trivia point in here. How many of those 133 temples that he has announced are actually open for business, are actually ground broken, ready to go? I would guess 30% or less. Only five. Only oh. five of those temples. Okay. Yeah. And that's what this, uh, wow. this is what this uh, built. That's, that's kind of it, shocking, honestly. Uh, yeah, if you look at the backlog here, uh, David O. McKay, he had this very little backlog. President Kimball, a little bit of backlog. When Hinckley, he had the mini temples there. He had a little bit of a backlog. But the backlog for President Nelson is just off of the charts. Wow. It's absolutely incredible. And, the, you know, one of the most important things is what is the price tag? UBC's announced 133 temples. What do you suppose is the price tag of all of those temples? I'm, I'm kind of, uh, of putting on the spot here. Yes, all of them. What is the total mm -hmm. price tag? Well, no idea, but it's definitely millions. It, I don't, does it get to the billion point? Yeah, five billion, five billion. So 
because wow. we, have the, we have the leaked information from the Pocatello, uh, Idaho temple that said that that temple was $69 million. It was a little bit larger than a, than a, than a lot of other temples. But you can put the average temple cost at around $40 million times by 133. Look at about $5 billion worth of temples. So, I mean, it's just incredible what the church is willing to go through. Nemo's done a little bit on it, too. And I think he got a picture of a, a temple being renovated with the really, really expensive furniture that is slated to be burned when it's not being used anymore. It's not resold. It's not donated to anything. It's just all of that money just goes straight to the fire. Yeah, it's I very saw sad. I saw that short episode. That was a very interesting episode. So, I mean, we know how much um, we know how much these temples cost now. We know how much the interiors are. It's it's a tremendous uh, it's a tremendous cost. Uh, not only that, is you're paying for litigation to get these temples in as well. In Heber Valley, in Cody, Wyoming, in um, other locations, um, you, you're paying. It costs a lot. It's just a tremendous endeavor. Now, um, well, again, it's all it's all for Jesus because Jesus really likes his great and spacious buildings. We'll have to text that app to make to confirm that. I can't confirm that. Without. Our next article here is, uh, you know, five members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints were killed in these horrific, uh, horrific fires in Maui. You know, it's just an uh, absolute tragedy. The Hawaii National Guard is involved in the recovery process, and uh, daily wildfires have swept over the uh, over the island and killed over a hundred people. It's really, really um, stunning. But, you know, I follow a lot of different uh, outlets here and uh, I follow the Daily Universe and the Daily Universe actually put this out. And this is literally right before the fires began. You can see the if you're watching this on YouTube, by the way, uh, you would follow us on, uh, we're on. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're also on YouTube. If you can drop us a like, drop us a thumbs up. We'd really appreciate that. But I follow the Daily Universe and they actually have a really, really good uh, Facebook, uh, a Facebook uh, account. And this is literally right before the fire started. Look at this incredible wind here that just started to pick up. And you can tell that, you know, if you have live, uh, live electricity going through these wires, you know, a lot of bad things are obviously going to happen. And this is literally right before the fire started in, uh, Lahina. I'm not sure if I'm, Lahaina. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but that's, it's, it's a really, really sad situation that, uh, what's happening there. And what, what the, one of the reasons that I bring this up is what the, what was the church's response to this? Because there's a lot. Uh, Hawaii is one of the most dense LDS. You know, there's a lot of members of the church per capita in Hawaii. Well, I, I just want to show what they did. They sent uh, Elder Mark A. Bragg, um, who was a uh, president of the North America West area for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And um, Elder Bragg opened his remarks and, you know, he, he was there um, talking to different members. And I just wonder, Maven, why in the world are the senior? I mean, that's fine. You sent a seventy. I understand. Why? Why are? Why are not the senior leaders of the church uh, uh, in Hawaii? That's what I'm wondering. I'm guessing that even though there are a large population of LDS members in Hawaii, maybe there's just not enough for them to care about. It's not Utah still. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. That's, that's what I'm wondering. Where is the church senior leadership? Why are they not on the ground ministering to people? Why are they not visiting the poor, comforting the comfortless, and lifting the hands that hang down? Why are they not healing uh, affected church members with priesthood power? Better yet, why didn't the senior church leaders go to Maui in advance to rebuke the fire and save lives, or at least warn the people before it even um, before the fire even began? Um, I guess they couldn't see around that corner. Instead, what we had was President Iring this last week. Where, where was the senior leaders of the church? They were in Salt Lake City. Uh, President Irene was dedicating the Saratoga Temple. 
Once again, mm -hmm. we're prioritizing buildings over people. And I guess the, the buildings that the church is most invested in in Hawaii are not on the island of Maui. They're on Oahu, and that would be Brigham Young University, Hawaii. That's, that's, I'm, uh, that's my alma mater. And then also the uh, Polynesian Culture Center and the Hawaii Temple, they're all like right there. So I think they would have probably a lot more people on the ground if the fires had happened there. I'm sure they do have property in Maui, but uh, yeah, again, the buildings, the, the main buildings they care about are fine and we're untouched. So I guess that's, yeah, let, that's let my me best give, guess. Let me give you this Twitter reaction. I would like to think that the Mormon church is doing every single thing it can for the people of Maui. Long have we borrowed against the grace and power of the island people. I can't imagine an easier call than to send money relief, volunteers, and anything else to Hawaii right now. And there's also this other, um, LDS Discussions tweeted this out on Twitter as well. He said the idea that God is more concerned with protecting buildings than people is one of the most awful ideas that I can think of. And you see it over and over again. So um, on, this, on this particular Twitter feed, it shows the aftermath of uh, the fires. It's absolutely horrific here. Um, and what they're highlighting this particular point that, oh, there's a church and that it remained unscathed somehow that God is protecting the buildings. And yet apparently he's letting uh, hundreds of people die. Um, I find that kind of argument to be uh, rather repugnant. Right. To be fair, it's a Catholic building in this uh, video, but the members of the church are just as like, and they did it for the temple uh, and church buildings in Ukraine as well when they were bombings there. So, yeah, it is. So it's it's something not unique to Mormonism, but that, you know, members take part in. And yeah, it is. It really is astounding that the celebrations can be had. And I get buildings represent a lot for people and they represent a gathering place. And it's definitely a, it's definitely a bad thing to have them destroyed. But again, I, I would have to agree that the lives that are lost, the, the people that would actually go into those buildings is more important. But what we see with the LDS church, especially with building all of these temples, there's so many being built in places where there's already maybe not enough membership or not enough temple going active membership to even fill them in the first place. It just doesn't seem like it really matters to the church that these are gathering places, that they even have people to fill these buildings. They really just like the buildings and the presence they have in the community and just, just how big and in your face they can be. So, yeah. 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 Um, Go ahead. Talk too. Now, our next article here, uh, Maven, is a day in the life of Elder Bednar. Now, he released a behind-the-scenes look at what his daily activities are like while he's at the church office building or church administration building. And he's a social media, he's very savvy on social media. He released this on the Instagram here. And we're watching Elder Bednar walk into the church administration building from the parking lot. And we get to see his office. And, um, you know, what, what is your initial take on Elder Bednar giving us a peek into his life, uh, his daily life? I think Elder Bednar is a prototype for the first kind of AI robot uh, apostle and maybe potentially prophet someday. And, and I think it's just maybe a little bit too obvious. People are getting suspicious. And so uh, I saw this as a PR move to try to humanize the robot that is is Bednar, because I do feel like he is really known for, uh, and, and I, this might be confirmation bias at hand, uh, but at least on this side of things, he seemed to be known to be quite robotic, quite uncompassionate, unempathetic, and yeah, in those ways, kind of unhuman. So yeah, this is this is uh, Bednar acting like a totally normal human, walking in with a briefcase, you know, like uh, normal humans do. 
Yeah, um, I, I, I'm joking here when I say that he's on his way here to have a meeting with the lawyers about how to cover up more child sex abuse. See, he's going through that door. He's going to meet with those Pert McConkie lawyers. You know, and what didn't what what didn't make the cut was, um, you know, he had the call from the Salt Lake Tribune uh, desperately trying to explain why more Holocaust victims are getting baptized in LDS temples. That didn't make the cut for some reason. And, uh, you know, here here he is meeting with the Strengthening Church Members Committee about whether to excommunicate to Holly Jane and a bunch of other uh, seedless crummy podcasters. You know, and he's also, you know, the most amazing thing is when you watch this, Maven, he does not interact with one woman the entire day. He does not interact with one person who's not white. He is completely surrounded by white middle-aged men. I find that to be remarkable. And usually also, look, Maven, a day in the life, why didn't we see him when he woke up in the morning? Why didn't we see him when he was doing yoga at the gym? Why didn't we see him, you know, I, I don't, when you have a day in the life, you know, I, I want to see more than, you know, what this is telling me is that the only thing that Elder Bednar is good for is his work. His private life is off limits. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't um, think robots do yoga. <laughs> um, that would be one. <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, I agree. And, but well, I disagree that he he doesn't interact with. I mean, in the video, he clearly doesn't. But I'm pretty sure that whoever brings him, you know, his lunch while he's there working, uh, could very well have a a slightly darker shade of skin, and quite likely is a woman. Maybe, maybe so. You know, he's also there. He is at his office. He's answering emails from Nemo because we know that he returns emails <laughs> from Nemo, right? Yeah. And um, you know, he's also got a couple of meetings here from. Uh, you know, he's got a BYU trustees meeting about whether to clamp down on that same-sex handholding on campus. You know, that's, that's right. important to him. And then he also has that meeting with the uh, City Creek uh, Mall earnings report. And of course, of course, that's not from tithing. That's from invested reserves. No. You know, right. For some, for some reason, right. that, that didn't make the cut in this particular, uh, it didn't make the cut. Which and, is weird, because it's totally kosher and totally legit, and there's nothing wrong with it, so, yeah. Yeah, and he also mm. had the, uh, he didn't include the uh, all-male meeting to update the design patterns of uh, women's underwear. Um, you know, he had some really cute ideas about the bottoms. Unfortunately, that didn't make the cut either. You know, I'm sure he, he has very strong opinions about women's underwear. It wouldn't surprise me at all. No, and he it does show him intensely praying to God about whether to buy more Apple stock, um, you know, or Microsoft stock, you know, definitely. Right. Yeah. Well, because if you're if you're going to be profit seers and revelators, of course, that's I, I that's what all of us would do. So I would absolutely expect profit seers and revelators to do the same thing. What's what's the stock market going to look like, God? If you could really help me there, and uh, yeah, that would be great. It's too bad I'm an apostate and can't quite get that connection on on a. Uh, the best penny stocks to buy now that are going to make it big tomorrow, but I'm I'm good for them for getting it, I guess. Yeah, and uh, you know yeah. he did he did get the update on uh, Jeffrey Holland's uh, health here, but he decided against giving him a priesthood blessing because Elder Holland has the faith not to be healed. Yeah, which is of course much greater than the faith to be healed. So uh, we know that for a fact. Plus, uh, I don't think Elder Bednar wants to give a blessing because I think he's eager to take the reins. He's ready to be unleashed. You know what I mean? I just honestly, honestly, look, I just wish that it could have been a real day in the life. I want to see where he, you wake up in the morning. You have breakfast with Susan. Uh, I want to see the inside of his house. I want to see a kiss the, on the cheek. Right. Yeah. That's what a day in the life means. Some, some human affection, some love, something, something like yeah. that. You know, show him, uh, I don't know, in line, uh, you know, at the, uh, you know, he had to stop by and get a little errand on the way. Home. The yeah. Get the, get the Costco. We we never seen that because we 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 have the perpetual need to show that he's Maybe some Mormon approved caffeine. Nothing but yeah, wrong. no, he's always he's always on the 
He's always in a suit. I bet he has a suit pajama. Exactly. Yeah, kind of. Right. <laughs> yeah, now, probably. I just, this tried to humanize him, which I think it, it went a little ways, but I think it could have gone a lot more of a long way. Um, now, you think it'll of, work for huh? people who are members of the church who already want to see him that way? I think. Uh, I think they find it. They will find it endearing. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it is better than nothing, but um, I just would like to see more. Now, our next article here, this is big This is big here, um, Maven. Son of Mormon billionaire suing church for $5 million over alleged fraud says followers are fleeing the faith after leaders lied to them about how it spent secretive $175 billion investment hop on. James Huntsman here, you know, he filed this lawsuit like, I don't know, six years ago, and he hasn't made one statement to the media in between that time. And but he's broken his silence here with the Daily Mail. And, uh, you know, what what did you get from this article as far as uh, James Huntsman and what 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 what's going on with his lawsuit? The lawsuit in general, I think I, I know Mormon Stories has covered it. I, I know that it was initially, uh, I guess, kicked out, but then it, it won through the Court of Appeals. So it, it actually has now some juice back into it. And so it is moving forward. We still, uh, I guess it's up in the air whether or not it's going to go through or not. I think that's one of the biggest frustrations is knowing how much uh, – how much shady financial dealings the church has and just how uh, almost almost transparent it is or just how blatantly it is at uh, at lying and deceiving and just being really secretive about its money and it just been able to get away from uh, for so long with it and and so it's nice to think even if it's just for one small thing one one particular issue, which is with City Creek, that maybe maybe the church can face some accountability for it. And I I think he does represent a lot of voices who are frustrated with the with what the church does with it. Because as a member of the church, I really had 100% full faith that the money I was giving to the church was really growing, uh, going to help grow the kingdom and help individuals. I was not aware that it was just going into a gigantic investment fund. I really felt the money was going for good. And so, yeah, that is something we've been deceived on. And I'm glad that he's willing to say that publicly. Yeah, let me just, uh, this particular quote uh, really resonated with me. Huntsman alleges that church faithful were led to believe their contributions would only be spent on missionary activities, yeah. building temples, and other charitable work. And as you just mentioned, um, a, a lot of other stuff is in there as well that nobody was informed about, and people are having a big problem with that. You know, he also said behind the scenes, however, rather than use tithing funds for promised purposes, the LDS Corporation secretly lined its own pockets by developing a multi-billion dollar commercial real estate and insurance empire that had nothing whatsoever to do with charity. And uh, one other quote that he said is, from what I'm hearing across the board, it's, it, well, you take money out of your hard-earned paycheck, you give it to the church in tithing, and what is the church doing with it? Well, they're buying more Amazon stock. And that's a really, really tough equation for people to make. Is that a fair assessment, or does he have an ax to grind? No, I think it's fair. It's more than fair, actually, because if we, it, it's actually more kind because the church demands a 10% tithe from its members and it promises blessings from God and especially a lot of times temporal blessings because uh, the, the poorest families in the church really could use that money to uh, be spending on their family uh, literally with bills and with food there's a lot that really don't have that 10% to spare but they are promised over and over doctrinally that the Lord will provide if they do that if they show this faith and, and do that then their families won't starve they'll be able to 
to pay their bills, etc. And that ends up not being true. So it's really heartbreaking when you think that many families, out of the goodness of their hearts, are sacrificing things that they really, really genuinely need. They're scrimping by, they're, they're going without food, they're, you know, they're cutting out luxuries. And some people have even lost homes while being faithful tithe payers when they're not able to pay their mortgage. And with, again, with this idea that it's, it's going to God, it's going to good uh, services, and or that the church will help them when they really need it, only to find out, um, kind of like I did, that it's, it's, it's not, or at least there's a lot of strings attached there. So when you know that when you look at that level of sacrifice that's willingly given by members to know that it's just going to this massive horde that will do things like pay lawyers to protect uh, pedophiles or bully towns into putting up just god-awful buildings that'll just ruin the the landscape and just everything that the town stands for, it just makes it even worse. You know, the big thing for me is if if his lawsuit, which was sent back to the district level, it was at the appeals level, was sent back to the district level to be reheard, specifically based on the President Hinckley's 2003 statement and other presiding bishopric statements that said that absolutely no tithing would be used for the uh, for the building of the City Creek Mall. If that is successful, then will that also pave the way for other people who have paid tithing prior to City Creek Mall? Will that pave the way for those people to receive a refund as well? That's big news. Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I'm not sure because, again, like I said, the church has been able to get away with so much of its uh, financial dealings because while a lot of it is unethical, I think clearly unethical, a lot of it isn't particularly illegal. Some of it is, but a lot of it isn't. And so this is just the, the, what makes this unique is because we have statements from Hinckley, uh, you know, really kind of narrowing the field for where this money can come from and then we have evidence that that's not the case whereas with everything else the church uh you know donations to the church uh the church has won so far on every attempt uh, at somebody trying to get back tithing money under uh, the assumption that it would be going elsewhere or, or doing good and even the church even added several years ago on the tithing slips that even if you're picking that you want money to go to the mission fund or to the temple and ward buildings funds that the church will use the money however it likes so there's really not a lot of ground uh, at all to try, again, to hold the church accountable for anything they've said or done. This is just one unique case, I think, where, where Hinckley slipped up enough and said too much that that gives this avenue. So is there hope in the future for other similar cases? Or for I, I'm not sure that there really is without... I guess without more damning evidence or testimonies or something that's that's been held back so far, that would have to hit the scenes, I think. So I, that's me being a little bit pessimistic. I think that that's how I'm 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 hoping this one goes through. I'm I, it's kind of a fifty fifty to me whether or not it'll it'll do anything. But I I don't think there's any mu not much hope. I don't hold much hope that the funds that I put into the church will ever be returned to me. So. Yeah, and those th this would really only open the door for funds that were paid to the church prior to the City Creek Mall. And, uh, you know, I, I started paying, I mean, I paid tithing to the church my entire life, but the amount that I paid prior to the City Creek Mall, you know, I'm, I got really my first job in like, I don't know, like 2003, and that was, you know, I, there wouldn't be much to get back. I did make a meme for this, though. You know, this is from uh, Star Trek VI, The Voyage Home. We told you already, City Creek Mall was paid for with invested reserves, not tithing. It shows uh, Kirk and Bones there um, on trial there. So let us know nice. your thoughts for those people out there. You know, drop us a, a, in the YouTube comments. Drop us a, a like. Drop us a comment. Let us know what you think regarding the, um, 
you know, James Huntsman lawsuit. And uh, if you like this content, then, uh, you know, uh, uh, you can join our Patreon as well. Now, this next one, you found this, Maven, and this is really taken the, uh, this has taken uh, everything by a storm here. Man faces felony charge after stealing chicken nuggets from an LDS meeting house. This is shocking here, Maven. <laughs> um, I wish it was. I, I mean... Uh, it's not surprising to me that uh, that someone would face charges for it. And something similar happened with a building where somebody, a homeless person, broke into a building. And I want to say it was also, wasn't it in Provo as it well? It was in Provo. I, it, during, yeah, it was during in a Provo cold, again. A, a homeless person during a very violent cold, a very brutal cold stretch, broke yes. into the uh, second Provo temple, the Provo City Temple on uh, on the main avenue there he broke in a window in order to get warm and the church also pressed felony charges against him so yes we, we've seen this happen time and time again where somebody um wanders into a meeting house or is trying to protect themselves from getting frozen to death and now My. they're facing a felony charge this is this is absolutely shocking especially considering you know I, 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 going back to your mormon stories with the food insecurity i mean this is just this is incredible i cannot believe that we have a felony charge here after breaking into a meeting house this is daniel jason coleman 49 was arrested for burglary a third degree felony you know he's facing uh, a major fine and years in jail unbelievable it speaks for itself almost i i think it's just it's incredibly sad the, yeah, the mean, church absolutely could take the high road with this, but I do. Do we hope they will? I just, I just don't anymore. And I think, you know, there there are times where I I agree with the church. You know, there are times when buildings are vandalized. You know, people spray paint on them and things like that. And that, of course, that makes sense. That is illegal. That is against the law. There is no benefit to that. But when you have stuff like this, where someone is, is literally they're breaking in to not freeze to death or they're breaking in because they're hungry and the, you know, uh, well, i just want to clarify the door was open so he didn't forcibly open the door it was an open door that he walked into he walked in he walked in there was no breaking uh there wasn't a window broken he didn't try okay so it's not open. breaking and entering then um, okay right. okay that makes it a lot worse then i i hadn't realized that yeah, so I mean, he's yeah. walking into an open building, which it technically says visitors welcome, you know, and so, uh, but he, but so that it really is the taking of the chicken nuggets that constitutes the burglary, that that is the crime then. It's not breaking yeah. and entering and everyone's focusing on the chicken nuggets he ate. That's the stolen item that makes this burglary. A, a felony, you know, and this, we covered this last week. The church last week donated $44 million to fight world hunger. Um, so la last week we have an article where the church gave this money to a bunch of different organizations. Really great job on the church. Really, that's a lot more money than I've ever donated. That's for sure. But at this, the next week we're arrested for allegedly cooking and eating a chicken nugget in a, in a, in a church. It's just like, you know, it's just why, you know, I don't, right. I don't understand, you know, and this is the thing, you know, somebody had to press the charges against this starving man, you know, it, when you when you go into it, you could have just said, okay, don't come back. You can trespass someone from your building. Yeah. You, you can say, okay, look, you can trespass them and not press charges. So a local, this is my opinion here, a local bishop, a local state president, someone in the local level actually went to the police, filed a police report, and pressed charges against this individual. 
the, the, the church headquarters needs to step in here. The area authority presidency needs to step in or church leadership needs to step in and say, you know what? We're not going to press charges. Some bishop should uh, went rogue on this one to try to lock things down. That's not a good look mm. for the church. And this needs to be rescinded. I mean, this is what this uh, this tweet here says. Uh, you know, look how look how Christ-like it is to press charges on a starving man. Hashtag not my church. Hashtag visitors welcome. Hashtag wrong is wrong. I mean, this is just this is just appalling. What a great look it would have been for the church if the headline could have been like man breaks in and steals chicken nuggets and the church sets him up with the bishop's storehouse or you know gets his groceries for him that. That's obviously that would have been the Christ-like thing to do. Was I just we yeah, just I mean, don't get it anymore. I just yeah. I mean, so this, this is like the soup Nazi. No nuggets for you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and this is the look that we want here. Man arrested for eating up to now. This is important, Maven. Up to four chicken nuggets. So it, maybe it was only one or two, but maybe it was three chicken nuggets, stale chicken like nuggets. That, yeah. I, who knows how long they've been there? Honestly, yeah. That nobody wanted, if you've ever gone to the church, if you've ever gone to any of these churches, what's in the refrigerator, a lot of times it's just left there for days or even weeks. You know, you wander into an open church, you're hungry, there's some food that apparently nobody wants. You eat like three nuggets, now you're facing a felony. Okay, it'd be one thing to say, look, okay, we're going to trespass him off of the property and say, you're not welcome back. And there's no criminality that would be associated with that mm-hmm. unless he returns. But no, we're going to be pressing charges immediately, right away. That's that's just a hor- horrible look. Now, I, I tweeted this out on uh, if you if you come on over to our Facebook page for the Mormon News Roundup, I said that this goes to a whole new meeting to hashtag Chicken Tender Mercies. Okay, that's a bad joke. But somebody um, responded to this and said, let me let me fix the headline: Starving man arrested for walking into an unlocked door to a church and eating some stale leftovers from the fridge. In other news, tickets are now on sale for the Stakes production of Les Mis starting this Friday. Because that's what yes, happened I've with seen it. Yeah. Jean Valjean. Yeah. That's what happened with Jean Valjean. Yes. I think nineteen years. Five years for stealing a loaf of bread for his starving sister's children and uh the rest because he tried to break out. Exactly. That's the story. Yeah, let's play this for you. If you're homeless and you're hungry and you're looking for some help. Best hope you are not in Utah because we will just say well. We'll ignore you, Cora, whore you, fetch your health and your welfare. If you want our food, you'll have to come and take it, we won't share. If you take our chicken nuggets, we will show you no mercy. There won't be any redemption. God has no patience for thieves. God has no patience for thieves. The cultural hall who has a lot of good takes on Love things. love cultural hall. Yeah. Hopefully hey, they'll I, have they been on? Have you had them on yet? I've invited him on, but he won't come on, so it's unfortunate. Mm. But that's okay. You know, that's still uh, hiding the no, he's he's outed himself oh. because um, he was getting uh, doxxed. Uh, somebody found out who he was, and he uh, doxxed mm-hmm. himself. Uh, I think it was about six months ago. He lives in Florida. I forget his name, but uh, no, he he's, he said what his real name is and where he lives and released photos. Okay, himself, but... I didn't know he's been doxxed. I do have it, but yeah, we'll just we'll just yeah. leave it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I made yeah. my own. I made my own meme on this. Please, just let me eat a couple of stale chicken nuggets. You know, just. 
I don't know. This is just really, really sad to me. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, one well, more. I guess. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Hashtag Nugget Gate. Uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Visitors welcome as long as you're not homeless or hungry. Accurate. Facts. Accurate. Yeah. If we're giving the church, uh, if we want to give them the benefit of the doubt, there there might be more to the story that we haven't heard. So if this is all of it, then I think our take is great. But uh, if he did do or say anything, if there were other people there <clears throat> that were made uncomfortable by him uh, for some reason, uh, or if he was violent, uh, maybe they did ask him to leave and he didn't. That's that's not anything that's been reported. So we don't know that that's the case. But it's possible. It's possible that there's more that we just don't know. And then I guess another maybe more cynical take is that I guess uh, if he's hungry, and he's starving, uh, you know, by putting him in jail, he'll have bills for several years. So maybe that's uh, maybe that was the church being really charitable. They were giving him housing, uh, you know, shelter and food um, and uh, a nice enclosed, very cozy space uh, for a couple of years. Uh, so maybe maybe that was their take. Well, this uh, again, I, I followed this article very closely in, mo in the most LDS area in the world, which is Provo, Utah. There's no homeless shelter that's sponsored by the church, and you'll be charged with a felony if you eat a couple of chicken nuggets in a wardhouse. But members will support you if you repeatedly threaten to kill the president of the United States, like we saw with Craig Robertson last week. It's just that the hypocrisy here is really, really stunning. And I'm, you know, like I like I said, someone in church headquarters needs to come in, step in, and say, you know what? We don't need to press charges on this. We need to take care of this individual who's apparently hungry or needs help. Let's help the helpless and let's feed the, the, the let's clothe the, the naked and feed the hungry instead of trying to put people in jail for eating a couple of stale chicken nuggets. This is not a good look for the church. No, and I think they're I think they're kind of used to it. There's already the persecution kind of complex and feeling we have that there's all, that you know everybody wants to attack and hate the church, but I don't think they realize how much more is coming. And so I think in the past, if there was a big PR scandal or disaster, then, you know, there would be some time and effort to kind of fade from public consciousness. And so, and, and it's, it's a true thing, even with celebrities, just, you know, in the secular world, bad PR, a lot of times you just got to wait it out and it'll eventually die and go away on its own, even if it's not addressed. And I think the church is used to doing that. And it's, it's kind of used to ignoring a lot of what's going on. And especially knowing that its members are usually pretty insulated. So the faithful are still when to toe the line regardless of what happens out there but it just it just there's more and more and more and especially with the financial stuff we're finding out that it just it adds more weight to these things that are coming so i think i, I think the leadership are making the mistake of, of thinking that they don't have to pay attention to these things they can just kind of write it out and um and it'll be fine but i think and again this might be my own confirmation bias but i i really think it's it's turning now. I think that we're going to get to a turning point with the church where just massive members leave and it's it's going to be way more than anything in the past. I think it's going to be the critical point for the church. I think it's coming soon. And I think it's because of stuff like this that they're just really bad PR uh, that they're ignoring and they have so much money and so much opportunity to do a lot about it. And they just, I think, I think they're arrogant enough that they don't think they really need to, and they can just keep going and doing what they're doing. And I think they're wrong about that. Well, I, and those are very good points. Uh, there was a blog that was put on by Common Consent last week that says, is the church actually shrinking? No, the church posted 1.2% growth last year, but that doesn't account, account for the fact that, you know, the church keeps people on the rolls until they're 110 years old. Is the church mm -hmm. actually shrinking right now? Probably, yes. Yes, the church is probably shrinking. It's not achieving the replacement rate. 
So, you know, this, this just isn't a good look. And I think you're right. We're trying to wait. We need to be proactive on these PR things and not let this type of thing. It should have been clamped down from the high level instead of uh, letting a local bishop go either rogue or, you know, do something that I think is a, a bad look for the church. Now, this last, yeah. week, this last week, Maven, um, the church, uh, uh, you know, they filed their 13F uh, filings for the Ensign Peak portfolio. And this last week, we got this what the uh, top 10 holdings for the church's uh, $49 billion stock portfolio is. And of course, this is only the domestic holdings of the church in the Dow Jones. Now, obviously, we know in Ensign Peak, there's another two thirds of Ensign Peak, which is not publicly reported. It's in private investment, in private investments, it's in real estate, it's in venture capitalism, it's in bonds, it's in things that are not reportable. So Ensign Peak is probably 150, 175 billion. But these are the top 10 stock portfolios that were just released. Um, and this, the filing was just this last Monday. So let's see uh, what the church is investing in here. Uh, JP Morgan, 600 million. Uh, how about Exxon uh, Mobil, uh, 700 million, MasterCard, 780 million, uh, Meta. You know, that was kind of surprising, Maven. Meta, what do you think? The one that stuck out to me the most, especially with the church having done social media fasts before and just how they denigrate it in general. I think more they focus on TikTok and things like that. But but Facebook and other forms of social media are huge platforms for people who leave the church to air their grievances. And so they often really, really push a lot of messaging to not be going to these places. And so it was fascinating to me that this was a top 10, that this was that this was one of the, the big ones. Uh, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, and uh, let's let's keep it going here. We've got uh, a United Healthcare Group. We have Nvidia, which does. Uh, uh, I, I believe that they do products. They have like a little gadgets and whatnot. Then it's technology. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they've got. I think graphics. I, I have. I have that in the in my little laptop here. I've got. I've got components from them. So yeah. Nice. Okay, now here's the big ones here. Um, and these are all big, big, big uh, holdings. Mm. Amazon. Uh, over $1.25 billion in Amazon. That um, That's a lot of stock there, Maven. And uh, Alphabet, 1.62. That's the parent company of Google, of course. And then we have Microsoft, uh, 2.23 billion. And number one is Apple stock, $3.12 billion. It's just incredible how much stock that the church has. And this is just the publicly, uh, publicly available information. Which we know just represents a really tiny fraction of their overall wealth. But it is interesting. I mean, we've got a credit card company. We've got tech. We've got social media. Um, we've got uh, uh, petroleum, you know, just uh, gas. And, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a diversified. It's quite a spread. And we've it's got a, a bank. Yeah, I, yeah it's, it, it makes sense, I feel like. It's a diversified portfolio without question. And, um, you know, I honestly, I think that um, when it comes to the truth, truth claims of the church, I actually think that Enzyme Peak is one of the most testable truth claims of the church. Because if Enzyme Peak is outperforming the Dow Jones consistently, that would be almost impossible if every single quarter Enzyme Peak was outperforming the, the, the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones and um, other mutual funds. Because uh, presumably the Lord wants his church to have a lot of money, right? So that's a testable truth claim that we can have. But guess what we've seen? Ensign Peak has consistently underperformed just the S&P 500. And it's, uh, uh, it, it, you know, so that's, that's a testable truth claim in my opinion. So I, like, I always like to keep an eye on this stuff. Any last thoughts on this one? Nope. 
Nope, okay. that, I know there's a lot of people really interested oh. in, in, in this part, but yeah, it's, it's more of the, the finance gurus, but I'll leave it to them. Yeah, now our next one here is a new general authority 70 is called. The Elder Alexander Dushku will be sustained at the October 23rd general conference here. Um, he received a Bachelor of Arts uh, from BYU, and he where does he uh, work, uh, Maven? Certain McConkie. Oh, uh, what yeah. a shock. What a shock. So we can guess the kinds of things that he's been doing uh, and you know, the kinds of people he's representing. Yeah, we can guess uh, definitely. Um, and we also happen to know some people have uh, done some digging here and uh, Elder Dushku here. Um, this is some of the stuff that he's been up to. God chose a Kurt McConkie sexual abuse attorney who fights LDS victims in court to ensure that they get no help from the church as a general authority. What a great message to LDS abuse victims that you really care. Mormon God needs to readjust his priorities. We know that Elder Dishku was involved with the sexual abuse, uh, uh, with, with sexual abuse claims. And when Kurt McConkie is involved, it's not to assist victims, it's to assist the church and try to make mm -hmm. it so that the church doesn't have to pay things out. Now, that's who's getting the Which often means, yeah, assisting the perpetrators, the abusers, yeah, directly. Yeah, um, so I, I got a couple of Twitter takes on this. Get your reaction here. Um, this is from uh, Sam Mitchell. He says, the enemies of the church are livid about this. Therefore, it's an inspired call. What, what do you think? Boy, that's a hot take. Just. Yeah, I mean. I there's guess... no looking at why. I mean, and, and anybody can make this claim. People are mad. Therefore, we're doing the right thing. It only works if you're doing the right thing. But people get mad when protectors of sexual abusers get promotions and get, you know, get things like this. And so how is that? How does that make it inspired? I would like to know that. All I know is with Elder uh, Dushku here, he's another middle-aged cisgender white guy lawyer who's going to join the Get Your Tithing Back Club. James Huntsman is trying to join that club, but Elder Dushku, he has definitely already joined the club. Uh, now, here's another reaction here. Uh, somebody, they did some digging into Elder Dushku's background here, and you, remember, you may remember these bangers from his distinguished 27-year career at Kurt McConkie. Four amicus briefs opposing gay marriage, fighting against Title IX protections extending to trans people, Amicus brief supporting the 303 Creative. Do you remember what that is, Maven? 303 Creative. That was the uh, baking, the cake company, uh, yeah. not wanting to make cakes for gay or wedding cakes for gay couples. Yeah, in Colorado for a gay couple, right? And then also mm -hmm. representing the church in uh, sexual abuse lawsuits. That is who. That is an inspiring uh, background that we get from Elder Dushku here. That is his legacy. That is um, what he's going to be known for is attempting to work as hard as he can to disenfranchise the members of the LGBTQ community by filing these amicus briefs, by uh, being a part of the Title IX of trying to, um, you know, make it so that trans people don't have, um, uh, are not included in Title IX, uh, making sure that the cake bakers are uh, filing amicus briefs on that. That is his legacy. So the church is sending a message here, Maven, that says, what, what message are we getting when we elevate someone with this kind of background into an area, uh, a general authority 70? What, what message are we getting? 
that's the, that's the direction we're going, and we're going to continue to go. He's he's a Dallin Oaks little protege. This is what Oaks is known for. I mean, he I mean, Oaks is known for the electroshock therapy, which he's still not publicly admitted to. And uh, yeah, so I, I just feel like the, these ones at the top, th this is their legacy. This is their hill that they are quite literally going to die on. They're already working, you know, to get their protégés and those who, who think like them into the lower ranks so that this, I, you know, I guess it's just the dedication to being at least 30 years behind uh, the rest of the world, if not more. So it's just, you know, this this is how we stay decades behind on progressive issues everywhere. So I yeah, think the message just, is pretty clear. Let, let me just say this. Typically, Maven, a General Authority 7 lead like this, it's not announced prior to General Conference. Usually we find out who the General Authority 70s are during General Conference. So the, the church is signaling here something different about this particular uh, area, authority, uh, General Authority 70, that we typically don't see. And in my opinion, it's that this is the mold. This is who we're rewarding. People like this who have helped uh, cover up child sex abuse, who have, you know, tried to disenfranchise people from their rights, made it possible for the church to discriminate against members of the LGBTQ community. This is who's getting the green light. And we, we can't wait for this guy to become um, a leader in the church. And we're going to announce him. We're going to tout him. We're not sliding it under the map. We're really excited about Elder Dishka. Do so you think it's a it's a signal? This this is how you rise up in the ranks. Yeah, absolutely. This this, this is a signal. If you want to become, if you want to join our all male white male system as well, like we saw with Elder Bednar, these are the type of things that you need to be involved with. So let me just give you. What another thought? Yeah. Well, I, another thought I had was that the reason why this is happening before conference is that there's already something going on in the background that they need him working on and want him to start with right away uh, that they don't want to wait for that for. And for whatever reason, maybe he does need to have that mantle and that quote unquote authority to be in on whatever level or whatever project he's on. Uh, that that was my guess that there's something in the works here and they're needing him to start right away. Yeah, I always put in a meme here. Yeah, you heard that right. Another stinking lawyer called us a general authority 70. It seems like they're all lawyers. We had uh, Elder Kyle McKay, who was um, the church historian. He was a lawyer. We got a lot of lawyers in the upper echelons of the church. And, you know, especially considering the fact that of uh, the legal problems that we saw with the chicken nugget bandit, you would think that some of these lawyers could give uh, our local leadership some decent advice about what to do when someone eats a chicken nugget, since we have so many lawyers in the upper echelons of the church. But it seems no, like why are they so bad at it? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, that, I don't know if they're really the ones calling the shots here. So, yeah, I mean, once they get into these positions, if I, I just I don't know. I don't know. Um, we'll keep an eye on the other douche coup, though. Uh, I find it very interesting here. Now, we have two last articles here uh, to get through here, Maven, and um, this one hit the news as well here. This is a Mormon man. This is an LDS man here who allegedly sold fake COVID cure arrested after three-year manhunt. So, Gort Peterson is 63. He sold a silver product that he claimed cured COVID here. Now, he was on the, here's his product here, Silver Solution here. Gordon Hunter Peterson of Cedar Hills, Utah, appears in a YouTube video fraudulently claiming to be a doctor and selling silver products that he claimed could cure COVID-19, according to prosecutors. And he made about $2 million during um, this uh, scam. And then um, they were, uh, they, they executed search warrants in his home in April of 2020, and he has been on the lam for three years and they finally picked him up here. Is it me or is it amazing how many Mormons get involved with like the crazy supplements and fake cures 
Is it me, or does that seem like there's a high percentage of people who are involved with this kind of quackery? It seems like a lot, but it, I would also say it's not just Mormonism, but it, it does seem to be uh, conservative and religious in general. It's wherever you have kind of a fear of, about government and especially about pharmaceutical companies and, and things like that. And then with the pandemic, especially, we had a lot of kind of, you know, end times, you know, God is punishing or e either God was doing it or Satan was doing it. And so these are like high fear times are great times for scam artists to come in and do this. So, I mean, it's definitely that I, I think just uh, Mormons were on par, I think, with the, the rest of the religious um community in the United States in doing these kinds of things. So it's grifting and, and grifting has been part of Mormonism from the very, very beginning. So it's very on brand. Yeah, but I, I'm kind of amazed that he was able to be on the lam for three years. I think, especially with technology and, and things these days, I, 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 if you're not like a hardened criminal, like who's who's built a life around this, you know, we're not talking about cartels here or whatever, where this this is the the daily game where you know, but you're a guy that does this and then is able to avoid for three years. I, I think that's um, that seems pretty skilled. Only to be found like at his home though. So yeah, he was right <laughs> back know. at his house. They were just watching his yeah. house, and then he walked back into his house, and they picked yeah. him up. Yeah, I think maybe he's like, after three years, they they must have forgotten about me, and no, they, they <laughs> could just go was, back to normal. I don't know. Yeah, he was federally indicted. They didn't forget about yeah. him. Now, um, you know, the, 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 here's a picture of him here selling his uh, stuff, and I also found here from uh, BookOfMormonTestimonies.com here, Gordon Peterson, back to you. This is right before his scam started, by the way. The first time I knew the Book of Mormon was true by Gordon Peterson here. He read it as a teenager. And um, it's important to me to know here um, that he has a strong, strong testimony of the Book of Mormon. That's inspiring to me. That's good. Does he know colloidal silver is true? <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. just a strong testimony there. You know, he perfected the uh, life on the lamb with inspiration from some of the great indicted past Mormon prophets like uh, John Taylor, Joseph Smith Jr., Samuel Bateman, and Warren Jeffs. You know, he was using cash to pay for all of his stuff so that they couldn't track him. He wasn't using a cell phone, but then he slipped up, went back home because he could, just couldn't resist coming back to the Beehive State, and they picked him up. Um, it's a good thing that he is not selling his uh fake uh, snake oil anymore. Now, our right. last article our last article here um, is kind of a doozy here, uh, Maven here. This is pretty this is pretty shocking here. Mormon woman withdrawn from the church for selling bikini photos online here. Holly Jane, uh, Maven, what's going on here? So I remember Holly Jane actually coming, I think the first articles I saw were a couple years ago where she was trying to say, I think it should be okay for me to do this and, and be a considered a good member in good standing. So she, she was already talking about kind of her double lifestyle and trying to bring them together authentically, which I, I think is good. But I think most who saw that just, just knew like this, this is a joke. It's, it, she wanted to try to, I guess, destigmatize what she was doing in Mormonism. But of course, Mormonism is nowhere near close enough to be able to do something like that. So I think everybody understood that the likelihood of this would be excommunication, which is the real term for withdrawn. And so, yeah, it, it happened. It's not a surprise at all. But I, I do still like when these things kind of make it to the news, just, just to kind of show that things still haven't changed. And now I, I brought this up before. I, I identify as asexual, so I'm really not, you know, into these kinds of things. But uh, 
when you see how much money she makes, there's always you always kind of wonder in the back of your head, like, man, did I have I just missed out on on some markets there? Have I have I picked the wrong kind of job if it if it can be that easy? You know, she was she according to the article, she was making thirty to forty five thousand dollars a month for these uh, photos. Now, here is her uh, letter of withdrawal here. I find the language to be very curious. It says, we have determined, this is from her stake, uh, from her bishop. We have determined that your membership in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is withdrawn. This action was taken in response to conduct contrary to the laws and order of the Church. You may appeal this decision uh, within 30 days. So from the article that I see that she sold some bikini photos, and, and I don't know, to me, that is not the type of person that we should be going after to withdraw right. membership. I mean, yeah, look, look, withdrawal Jody Arias' membership, Chad Daybell, Lori Vallow, uh, Ted Bundy, yeah, sure. Get rid of those people, but she sold some uh, bikini photos online. Now we're going to withdraw our membership. And she, during this entire time frame, by the way, is going to church every single Sunday. She wasn't some lapsed member. She said she wanted to stay a part of the church. The church is losing members left and right. And I mean, I don't know. This seems like the wrong action for the uh, for this particular case. I would agree. I think I think excommunication should be for members of the church that are a danger and that hurt others either either financial like through frauds like that like the previous story or you know like we've brought up over and over the the abusers who somehow get to stay in the church uh until and sometimes not even when their crimes become public but that that usually is the thing that will will cause the next communication when those kinds of things happen but yeah it's, it's sad to me i think um if she wants to be there and if she's participating it's sad that they will push her out yeah. Now, uh, have we gotten through all of the news this week? Have we ruminated properly on the Great and Spacious Beehive? I think we have. I think we hey. have. But I, I'm wondering. Uh, I guess I'm just left wondering if, uh, if uh, maybe I can take some feet pictures or something. I've heard that's a thing, and uh, hey. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm. Maybe she's got something going here. Maybe I should reach out and ask for some tips. My, uh, I will tell you that I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My membership is valuable to me. But if I were to be getting thirty to forty-five thousand dollars a month for some feet pictures, I don't know. I might have to think about that. I don't. We call it a modest living stipend, and I think I can handle it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. So I uh, want to shout out to Weird Alma on Baden Camp for this uh, episode's music. Now, we release all of our episodes here live on YouTube Sundays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can interact with me and the uh, our humble host here. And uh, remember, remember, Maven, no one how with hand can stop this podcast from progressing. So long. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Hey there, brothers and sisters. Thanks for listening to the Mormon News Roundup. And if you are enjoying this show, please consider making a donation. Patreon makes an important contribution to helping us ruminate on the great and spacious beehive here. So thanks so much to everyone for for supporting us on Patreon.com.